Good morning. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. The, uh, I have, uh, we have experienced a, a serious weather event over the last 48 hours, except for apparently in Wood County. They didn't, but everybody else, everybody else did. Uh, and so <laughs> that was just funny. The, uh, but we were, I was watching the news the other day and, and uh, yesterday, and uh, Channel 11, Channel 13, they have this, this unique thing called the Defender. And the Defender is this uh, truck. And I've been up close to the truck at one, one point, and, and uh, it's a pretty, pretty decent-sized truck, and it's weighted down with a bunch of stuff, and it's got winches on it, and it's got big tires, and it's, it's, uh, it's got everything you need to get yourself out of a jam because they use this, this truck to travel the roads whenever the roads are really dangerous to be able to, you know, let us know as uh, citizens what, you know, whether we should or shouldn't be on the road and give us all the information possible. And, um, and you know, last night we were, Pastor Benton and I were working on trying to determine what to do with services this, this today and, and, and so on. And, and so we were, we were communicating back and forth and, and he was in the McCord Road Christian Church Defender uh, working on knowing what's in that. We have a picture of it, too. It's impressive. Um, this is the MRCC Defender. Uh, it's, it's letting us know uh, whether or not what we should do with the, with the church schedule, you know. And, and the motto of, of WTOL and Channel 13, their motto is, we're prepared for anything so we can be on the roads that you should not travel. And the MRCC Defender's motto is, if Pastor Benton can get to church, so can you. Uh, <laughs> I do appreciate the fact that he was on the roads very late last night and very early this morning uh, in order to help us make a decision. And so thank you, Pastor Benton, for that. We've had a couple of uh, stories recently shared with us that uh, we were able to share and uh, this morning, uh, we, we call these stories testimonies because we're telling of God's goodness and God's greatness. This morning, a uh, family came in and said, last week we, we were praying for our uncle. Our uncle uh, is doing very bad and hadn't eaten in, in a while and just going downhill health-wise. And, and we just want to pray God's blessing over him. So we prayed, and this morning they came in and said, we just want to tell you, we want to tell you that, that this week our, he began to eat again, and he's getting stronger again, and he he uh, was able to get up on his own again and, and just some, some really cool things. And so we thank God for that testimony. And if you're dealing with health issues, then I want you to, to grab a hold of that and say, understand that this is a good story of what God can do, what God does do. And a business owner uh, shared with us this week that last week they were going in, into a pretty negative uh, meeting with a, with a major client and things were not looking really good. And, and so they just prayed that we, we agreed together in prayer and said, God, you know, do what only you can do in this situation uh, this week. That, that situation turned entirely around. Uh, not only did they, did they not lose the client, but things have gone in a very positive direction. And so we thank God for that. Praise God. And so I encourage you, if you're a business owner, grab a hold of that. God can do great things in your business 
uh, as you pray and press into prayer with him on the situation and concerning the situation. And, and I encourage you, if you are one who is willing to share your story on the website, there's an opportunity to share your story. And whenever you share your story, it helps other people's faith rise. And so if you know God's doing something beautiful in your life, then I encourage you share that story with someone else and it will bless them. If you don't do it on the website, tell somebody about the good things that God's doing. Also, we're rolling out a new ministry area today uh, here at the church, and that is in prayer partners. Uh, historically, it, when we would, at the end of a service, we always close our service with an opportunity for people to pray. If you have something going on in your life, a need, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a business situation, may, it doesn't really matter what it is. It may have to do with what we've talked about. It may not have to do with what we talked about. But elders will come to the front and, the, and they will pray for people who uh, just want to touch with somebody and, and agree with somebody in prayer. Well, we have now what's called a prayer partner ministry. And in this prayer partner ministry, it includes elders, but it's not limited to elders. It includes people who feel a call in their life to pray for people, to be intercessors for other people. And they have been through a time of training, and now they are, they are here. They will be here at the end of the service and be available to pray with you and pray for you. And I'm excited about them. They're, they're stepping into an area of calling in their life where God will use their ministry to bless you, to bless me, to bless our church. And so I'm excited about it, but you'll hear at the end of the service, I won't say uh, elders come forward. I'll say prayer partners come forward. And you may see people that you've known for years and they'll step out of their seats. They'll come right up here to the front and they'll be ready to pray for you. And so I encourage you, avail yourself of that opportunity to uh, connect with somebody in prayer today if you have anything going on in your life and you know Jesus is the answer. Last but not least is the One Conference. It's our marriage conference, and I'm excited about this. It's uh, the first time we've done this here, and we're uh, special guest Pastor Scott and Miss Melanie Jones are our guests. The reason why they're our guests is not just because I've known them for years, but it's because they have a story. Uh, some things occurred in their life. They've been through some challenges in their marriage specifically that many people do not get over. And not only did they get over it, but they have, they've gone on to be very successful in life and in ministry and, and in calling, and they're willing to talk about it. Most people in their position are not willing to talk about the struggles that they've been through, and yet the Joneses are. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. I'm excited about the sessions that I'll be teaching, and uh, it's, it's just going to be a good time. So I encourage you to, to go ahead and sign up for that. We are advert- we're talking about it just within our family, the, the McCord Road family, through the month of, of January, but on February 1st, we're going to start advertising to the community around us. There is limited seating. It will be in here, but it will be around tables, and so the, the seating is a lot more limited than what it typically would be. And so I encourage you, go ahead and sign up for that. It's going to be a good time together uh, learning about how to strengthen our marriages. If you're not married uh, and you want to be married, if you're, if you're about to get married, or if, if you are married and wish you weren't, if you are... <laughs> This is going to help you. We are in our third lesson of the Pray First series, and, and this, is, um, this, this is deep stuff. And so I encourage you to take some notes today. In your service guide, there's an opportunity to take some notes and uh, encourage you to do so. We've been talking about uh, what it means to pray and how to pray. And we've been using the, the tabernacle of Moses, the Old Testament example of a tabernacle, uh, that God gave to the people of Israel, using that as a template in prayer. 
And in fact, we, we have had our key scripture in Hebrews chapter 9. It says, by these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. So we understand that it's something that happened back in the Old Covenant, Old Testament. But New Testament, New Covenant says that it has, it has validity for us today because it was an illustration for us. So we can use the illustration it gives to plot out the direction of our life, to plot out the direction of our prayer life. We know that the tabernacle was the way that unholy man could approach a holy God. God said, I, I want to know you, and so I'm going to give you a methodology by which to know me. And so we, we've moved through the outer court where you have the, the brazen laver and you have, I mean, brazen altar and the, and the laver, a place of, of uh, sacrifice, a pra- place of confession, and you have the place of, of washing and cleansing and preparation. The outer court giving us a complete understanding that we have to be authentic and open before God. Then we stepped into that, that holy place. We have the golden candlestick and the table of showbread and you have the altar of incense where we bring our own personal petitions before God, the needs of our own lives. And then we step over to the place of the altar of incense where we bring the needs of others. We, we intercede for others and we do all of this within the light, the glorious light of Jesus Christ, the revelation that he brings to us. And so this is the outer court. Then we step into that, that holy place. And as we stand in the holy place, there is a large curtain there. And that that curtain separates this room from the next room. This room is called the holy place. But if you you step past the curtain, you're in a place called the holy of holies. That's where we're going to spend our time today. The holy of holies. It's a place of worship. Worship. Now, when we say the word worship, it's a word that's often used very carelessly. We say things like, I worship the ground you walk on. But do you really worship the ground they walk on? When's the last time somebody walked across the ground and you said, oh, ground, I want to personally worship you? Funny, I got the same response in the first service. That, that's never said in seriousness. Sometimes we say, I'm going to worship, and we sit quietly, bored out of our minds, and that's, well, not in this church, but I've heard it happens in some places. But, but that's not worship, that's torture. Because worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration. It's the feeling or expression of worship and adoration. It's both a feeling and an expression. So if we're sitting there quietly bored out of our minds, that's neither a feeling nor an expression of adoration, of reverence. It's engaging internally, and it's also engaging externally. It's both. And the reason why it's internally and externally engaging is because worship means that I am ascribing worth to something outside of me. From within me and outside of me, I'm ascribing. I'm saying, you are valuable. 
You are worth something, and I'm going to tell you how much you're worth. From my life to yours, I'm going to tell you how much you're worth. But as we think about worship, let's look at the purpose. Let's remember the purpose of the tabernacle. Exodus chapter 25 verse 8 says, Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. The entire purpose of this tabernacle was so that God could live with his people. He wanted to live with his people. And if they followed his directions, then they had access to his presence. Now we know that today we have grace. We have salvation by grace through faith. And it gives us the opportunity for God to live with us and for God to live in us. It's a beautiful thing that there's, not, there's no time, there's no space, there's no uh, locational restrictions on when you can be in the presence of Almighty God and when you are in the presence of Almighty God. You can be in the middle of the grocery store in the presence of Almighty God. You can be driving down the road in the presence of Almighty God. And I might even say that because God is in you and with you, there is no place you ever go that God is not with you, that you're not in His presence. It's a beautiful and wonderful place to live. And our big idea today is this. Receiving all of God means giving all of you. Receiving all of God means giving all of you. You get to live in the presence of Almighty God, but it means giving all of you. And we're going to break this down in the realm of prayer in three parts. The attitude, the uh, posture, and the value of the Holy of Holies. And, And thought number one is that the attitude of worship is adoration. It's adoration. We don't use the term adoration very much in our world today. But you cannot worship what you do not adore. You must adore it in order to truly worship it. Adoration mixes deep love and respect. Deep love and respect. But you you can have one without the other. Uh, You might have deep love with no respect. It means that you, you want the presence but you're not ready to heed the word of. You might see this with a, with a parent with small children. The, the parent loves the presence of their child. In fact, if anything negative was to happen toward that child, that parent would jump in and, and, and give their very life for that child in a moment's notice without even thinking about it. Absolutely, because they love that child. But when that child is talking... And saying, I want that, and I want that, and I want that, and I want that. The parent, you may relate to this if you're a parent. They're saying, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. But if you ask them, what is your child actually talking about? They'll say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Because they're, 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 they love them, but they don't respect them at this particular point. Their words of how we should live our life do not impact the parent's life. But you could also have respect without love. That means you're listening to the words, you're allowing what they say and what they offer to impact you, but you don't really desire their presence. 
might be a, a business author that you really like, uh, uh, somebody who has written several books. Maybe you've read every single book they have ever written and you have been very careful and diligent to apply their writings to your life and, and it's a good thing, but you don't really care if you meet them or not. You're, if you had to drive across town to be able to actually shake their hand, you might eh, not worry about it. You respect them, but you don't love them. Adoration brings those two things together. The deep love fuels the pursuit of presence and even, even allows great personal sacrifice at times. I, I, I adore them, so, so I want to be in their presence, but also deep respect drives us to follow their instructions, to heed their words. I, I, I want to be in their presence and I want to listen to their voice. I love them enough to be with them and I respect them enough to hear what they have to say and apply those things to my life. life. And and I would say that in the case of God and us having a relationship, adoration is the proper attitude that we must have towards God in worship. In fact, the Ark of the Covenant is the only piece of furniture in the Holy of Holies and it points towards the adoration of God. The Ark of the Covenant is a place of adoration. It's, it's, it's the only furniture, and, and it's made up of two parts. The chest, what they would call an ark, but we would call a chest. It's just a box. And then the, the top of the chest. Inside of the chest contained manna, contained Aaron's rod that budded. It contained the stone tablets where the Ten Commandments were written. And it reminded the people and it reminded God of the miracles that God had done, number one, but of the covenant that he had made with them. The chest represented the the promises that he had made to them and the the guarantees that he had given and and said, I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people and this is how it's all going to work. And and that's what it represented. But but on the top of that chest was the 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 the, the top that would that upon it was the the seat of atonement or what would some people call the mercy seat and there were two cherubims that were in gold and cherubim is just a type of angel and they were there in gold and their wings would cover the the, the seat that was there and and once a year the the priest would bring the blood of sacrifice and pour it upon that seat and and the presence of God would descend and the blood would be, be between the presence of God and the people and the entire purpose of the ark was connection I'm connected with you in covenant and I'm connected with you in presence in fact Exodus chapter 25 verse 22 says I will meet with you there And I will talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the Ark of the Covenant. From there I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. Why does this Ark exist? So I can talk to you there. So I can meet you there. So I can give you commands from there. That was the entire purpose of this singular piece of furniture in the Holy of Holies. Now, to approach the Ark of the Covenant was a very unique and very special thing. Only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies once a year. He prepared himself very carefully to enter. He had to have the blood to pour over the mercy seat or the seat of atonement. 
And if anything went wrong, if the priest didn't do it all exactly right, the priest would die. So it's a fairly serious situation. God's love for Israel provided the ark. I want to be with you. I want you to be able to communicate with me. But he also demanded great respect. And the priest would move past the veil to offer the worship or the adoration that God deserved. And the Holy of Holies is the place where we offer this adoration to God. It's where we seek his presence. It's where we express our respect for him. It's where we say, God, I I recognize how great you are. We have sometimes a casualized view of God as our friend and as our brother. But we don't always respect our friends and we certainly don't always respect our brothers. And God is both our friend and our brother, yes, but he is also God Almighty. And understanding and recognizing who he is calls for worship. Worship is the only true response, the only valid response, the only correct response to who God is. And adoration is the only correct attitude in worship. One that says, I love you deeply and I want your presence and I respect you greatly. So I will follow your word. That brings us to thought number two. The posture of worship is intentional surrender. Intentional surrender. Remember only the high priest could enter once a year in order to be in the presence of God. He would take the the blood from the, the brazen altar, the sacrifices made there, and he would carry it in and he would pour that upon the mercy seat. The presence of God would descend. But if he did anything wrong, he would not survive the experience. If he went in on the wrong day, dead. If it was the wrong person, dead. If he didn't cleanse himself right, dead. Wrong sacrifices, dead. So there wasn't a sense of God's just going to take me how I am because this is how I am and I'm a full grown man and I'll come in when I want, I'll go when I want, I'll do it like I want because I'm the one offering the adoration and the worship. So I'm just, God, you, you're just going to take me like a dead. I thank God it's not that way today. But the illustration remains. The illustration absolutely remains. The priest had to surrender every part of himself in order to have the privilege of being in the presence of God and hearing from him. And it's true today that that illustration still applies in our life where adoration is the internal response, surrender is the external response. And the surrender of worship is the posture of a life. It's not the posture of a moment. It's the posture of a life. 
A couple of weeks ago, we, I told you some Hebrew words that are used to describe praise. And I, and I talked about one called yada. And it's kind of like the flinging forth of hands and praise and excitement. And, and it's like, touchdown! <laughs> it's just, yes! This is awesome! You should also try that sometimes. It's very liberating. <laughs> Could throw your shoulder out. But. That, that's praise. Well, there's another word from the same root, and it's the word toda. And it means to extend hands in worship. So maybe you're one who says, I don't know why Pastor Micah is over there, and he's always got his hands in the air. And sometimes he's doing it like this, and sometimes he's doing it like this, and sometimes he's doing it like, is he giving signals to the band? Is that what's going on? <laughs> no. Sometimes I lift my hands in praise, and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And sometimes I'm lifting my hands in worship. And I'm saying, wow, God, I surrender myself to you right now. It's, a, it's an external expression of worship. There's another that we talk about, and it's called Barak. And it means to kneel in adoration. We see it in our society, our culture, a little bit differently. A man will get on one knee and open up a box and say, will you marry me? And what they're saying is, I'm humbling myself before you. I'm ascribing worth to you. And I'm saying I want to live the rest of my life married and connected to you. And I'm offering this little token of my love to you. And, and really, it doesn't matter if that is plastic, rubber, or the finest diamond the world's ever created. If it's what the individual can offer, that's what they're offering. And, they're, and they are, it's a sense of worship. I'm giving you worth in my life. I'm showing you worth in my life. That's what we do whenever we kneel before God in worship. And we say, here I am. Now sometimes we surrender, we express surrender in the four walls of the church. Depending on what uh, faith culture you grew up in, it all looks a little bit different. But sometimes and often as Christians, we will come into the house of God and, and we will raise our hands to him. We will kneel before him. We will express worship, but it is contained within the context of the four walls. Because when we go out into the parking lot and get into our car and our fellow worshiper accidentally cuts us off as we're trying to make our way out of the parking lot. All the adoration and love and wonder of our Savior is left in the sanctuary and some words that aren't so worshipful <laughs> at least cross our minds. Oh, this is good preaching. But here's the thing, surrender expressing corporate worship alone by an action done or a word given, it may be enough for us. We're like, okay, God, I've done what I need to do there, and I love you, so I'm here on a Sunday, on a really snowy Sunday, I'm here. 
And it's cold too, God, so that's an extra point. (laughs) But it isn't enough for God. Because God doesn't want a show. He wants total surrender. So He's not looking for us to come into the place and do the show and leave. People in a show go to a location, they do their show, but they don't talk in that British accent every day or dress in those outfits every day. When they go home, they're back to their normal life. There shouldn't be a difference between our normal life in the church and our normal life outside of the church. Our normal life on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday... There should be no difference. It's a life that is totally surrendered. We have a common phrase in Christianity, and that's God has offered us the free gift of salvation. And I think that it is a free gift in the fact that you could not earn it if you wanted to. But I think it's misleading sometimes because we, we accept the free gift of salvation not understanding that it costs us our life. It costs us our life. Let me give you some scriptural uh, precedent for this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. The same book that says that salvation can be yours says that you do not own yourself when you are saved. That God bought you with a high price. He delivered you from the pain of sin and death, but it cost him something. And to accept that costs you something. So we have to honor our God with our, it says, body. That means that what I do with my body matters. How I operate my body Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday matters. The words that come out of my body, the thoughts that are within my body, the actions of my body, it all matters. How about Romans chapter 12 verse 1? I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's not uncommon for people today to say, well, I'm not religious, I'm just spiritual. Okay? Well, the same book and the same writer saying that salvation is by, through, by grace through faith alone says spiritual worship includes living a life in your body that pleases God. I just don't think it matters. He said it does. Well, I just... I just I just like getting saved, and I just like being saved, but it doesn't need to change who I am and how I operate. Mm. Unless we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Unless we're called to honor God in our bodies. How about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23? Now may the God of peace, I like that, God of peace, that's very peaceful, that's very nice, uh, make you holy in every way. Oh, I like it. He's going to make us holy. It's his holiness. It's his righteousness that become our righteousness. We step in him. We take on him as he takes on our sin and, and trespasses and, and he forgives us. And all of this is right. All of this is real. And he says, may your whole spirit and soul and body, your whole, whole, complete, complete, everything, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. 
Now, Paul's a writer and he, he lists a whole bunch of choices that we must make. One of them is don't sin. Choose not to sin. <laughs> and then he says, the goal is that your whole being, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, pure. So what he's telling us through all of scripture is that the, the serious and sincere worshiper surrenders themselves totally to the will and word of God in every area of life. And this is not the popular view of salvation. I know that. I know it. The popular view of salvation is, hey, accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then man, you're good. And it's going to be good. And he's going to bless you and it's all going to be awesome. But that's like saying, I'm going to get married this week. Christy and I got married. We're so in love. So in love are we too. Isn't that a boys to men song? Something like that. But now it, that happens Saturday. It's Sunday now. It's Monday now. I'm going to go do what I want to do, how I want to do, when I want to do. Doesn't really matter. And it's okay because next, next Saturday we're getting married again. We're going to get married again. It's going to be cool. She forgives me. We're good. Now we got married again. So... Hey, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I can do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, how I want. And it's going to be fine because guess what? Next Saturday, we're getting married again. And every Saturday I get married. It's a beautiful thing, this wonderful covenant that I have between my wife and I. And I think sometimes we approach Christianity that way. This great relationship I have with my Lord and I. Monday through Saturday, maybe it doesn't matter as much because on Sunday I'm just going to get married again. God is looking for one who is totally surrendered. And thought number three is that the value of the Holy of Holies is his presence. While you're writing that down, I, 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 I want to say one more thing about the former point, and that is this. No, it's not. The popular view of salvation, but it is the only salvation available. There is no other salvation outside of what Scripture has defined. The value of the Holy of Holies is His presence. He says, I'll meet with you there and talk to you. From there, I will give you my commands. Effectiveness of prayer increases exponentially when in His presence yes you lose authority over yourself but you gain all of him and it's worth his presence it's in his presence that you hear God speak to you it's in his presence that you find love and completeness and joy that can become your strength it's it's where healing is found and wholeness and found as peace is found and purpose is found and value is found and empowerment is found and wisdom and comfort and love are found strength and knowledge it can be received all in his presence it's worth it and in john chapter 10 jesus says i've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I showed up so that they could have life, incredible lives. Incredible lives. But as he's hanging on the cross, 
beaten and torn, blood dripping from his head that's crowned with thorns and pierced and, and, and he's about to die. He, he's about to give it all. He's, he, he, he's giving everything here. In Matthew chapter 27, we read, then Jesus shouted again and he released his spirit. That, that means he died. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple, it's the same curtain that was in the sanctuary of the tabernacle. It still separated the holy place from the holy of holies. The curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the, the, the division, the dividing factor that kept everyone else from the act, the manifest presence of God was removed entirely so that you and I, you and I who have been made holy by the great and beautiful sacrifice of Jesus Christ can stand in the presence of Almighty God no matter where we're at, no matter when it's at. In your bedroom you can be in the presence of the Almighty. In the grocery store you can be in the presence of the Almighty. It doesn't matter. You can be there because of what Jesus Christ has done. The veil is torn. Understand that Jesus surrendered his life completely and it removed the barrier to God's presence for anyone willing to surrender their life completely. Receiving all of God means giving all of you. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but it does mean that you're trying. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes, but it means that you're quick to repent. That you're quick to realign your life if you get out of alignment with him. That's what we do when we surrender. It's what we do when we adore him and worship. We lift our hands. We might fall down to our knees. But what we're saying is, God, I surrender everything to you. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do it right now. I'm, I'm going to pray it out loud, but you, you pray it in your own heart and mind. I'm surrendering all that I have to you. God, you're, you're so worth it. I'm so not. So, so I'm going to give you every single part of me. And it won't even come close to what your, what your true value is. But today I, I, give you, I give you my mind. I surrender my mind to you, every thought in it. I surrender my mouth, every word that it speaks. I, I surrender it to you. I surrender my future. Whatever that is going to mean and look like, I surrender it to you right now. I, I, surrender, I surrender my relationships and I surrender my marriage to you right now. I I surrender my sex life to you right now. I surrender my finances to you right now. It's all you. you're, You're worth it. 
I ascribe worth to you right now. I surrender my boys to you. I surrender every part of me, my emotions, my angers, my sadnesses. Surrender. Would you just surrender to him today? Maybe you want to lift your hands. Maybe you want to kneel down. There isn't a right or wrong way to do it. As long as you surrender. And when you adore him, You worship him. And when you worship him, his presence will fall. He will meet you there. It's his promise. It's his plan. But more than that, it is his desire. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for your people right now that everything would be surrendered to you. All that we are. In Jesus' name. The band is going to play and our prayer partners are going to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, it doesn't have to be connected to what I'm talking about. But if you need prayer for something, I invite you to come forward. I'm a few minutes over here, and I know it. We've got another service going to come in, but I do not want to leave this moment. The Holy Spirit is here right now. God's presence is here right now. And if you've never felt his presence before, I just suggest to you that you say, Lord, I want to feel your presence right now, and I believe he'll reveal it to you. Let's stand to our feet. Prayer partners, would you come forward?